after spending 20 years in leadership positions with organizations of all sizes from startups to mid-sized public companies he founded fortune's path to help businesses and business people get more of what they want by helping others today he runs fortune's path and writes and podcasts about how virtue and love can create monopoly profits and agile organizations he also talks a lot about raising kids and being a husband he lives in nashville tennessee in the united states folks henry ford once said people don't know what they want until you show it to them that's why he never relied on market research as leaders our task is to read things that are not yet on the page that was a philosophy which henry ford used to follow and that's why he has built an empire in today's episode let's get tom noser's insights on using power to get customers what they want even when they don't know what they want hello this is the guiding voice podcast series tgv for a better future this podcast is for professional students it employees and entrepreneurs to shape their careers so folks if you haven't rated our podcast on apple request you to provide your rating and leave your candid review because every rating and review will motivate us to bring in more and more useful content to you if there is a constructive feedback it will be taken with the right spirit and you will see us grow This is your host Navin Samala and I have about 18 years of rich and diverse experience in the IT industry. In every episode we interact with industry experts or thought leaders or academicians or coaches across the globe to drive some insightful conversations that will help each one of you learn some amazing stuff. Also, we share an interesting trivia or a fun fact about the IT world or technology or relevant topic towards the end. So folks you will learn more knowledge for every minute by tuning into TGV than any other podcast in this space. Thank you so much for tuning in and we are pleased to have Tom part of TGV's journey in shaping the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Tom, welcome to TGV. Thank thank you for joining us. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. All right. So Tom, let's get started. Let me ask you to share briefly about your career journey especially emphasizing on top 3 things that have helped you so far oh wow um so it's funny it's like I, i'm not quite sure how i ended up where i am um but i'll i'll do my best um so when i was in um college i was going to be a writer uh, i wanted to be a novelist and um it's hard to write books uh, so i was going to i went in um taught ninth grade got a masters in education and really was going to write during the summers uh education being a teacher is still the foundation of how i approach my work as a product manager and as a writer and as a consultant and i think that um uh, helping someone move from where they are to their next phase of development and to try to do that in a way where you're um supportive and non-judgmental and you have an open mind about what the outcome can be is a real act of love. So that's how I try to approach my clients is in a way to help them um develop to that next phase that they can't do on their own. It's been a very interesting and fascinating journey like you start you mm-hmm. wanted to be a novelist and then yeah. I, uh yeah and you ended up uh, 
being an author as well so which is uh, mm-hmm. very rare, very mm-hmm. few people have that particular uh, instinct of getting what they want right and uh, right tom, tom you mentioned about being non judgmental and uh, demonstrate mm-hmm. love to acquire the clients which is very interesting i'm probably i'll park that question for a while but in the mm-hmm. meantime let's talk about core of today's topic like mm-hmm. how how do find out the customers expectations because even uh, app right. uh, steve jobs also used to say the same thing right people don't mm-hmm. know what they want until we show them that's how right. uh, he ended up creating some uh, products like uh, ipod and and all the niche uh, apple products mm-hmm. right which came out of yeah. uh, nowhere <laughs> well it's it's a, um it's really hard work uh you you have to understand the context of the problem extremely well so you know your famous example about the ipod one apocryphal story is that they collected information about what was wrong with all the other mp3 players at the time i actually think that's a very good way to approach a problem is to understand what else is in the market and why doesn't it fit and what are the changes that you could make to make it fit you talked about henry ford earlier he has this famous quote about if i'd asked my customers what they wanted they would have said a faster horse i think you have to take that with a grain of salt because he also needed to understand that uh, the model t wasn't going to be successful if it was too expensive he didn't build a car just for himself he built a car that he felt fit the market at the time and his objective was to have you know everybody in america drive a car so he knew he had to hit the right price point there were certain sorts of features that were going to make it more attractive So I think there's a tendency sometimes for product managers to get uh, a little arrogant and to think well I'm I'm going to tell the market what it needs and that's a sure way to failure is to simp- to approach it with I I'm convinced I have the better idea and I'm going to try to educate the market about why this is better it it's um it's a tough proposition well wow. so someone should start studying the problems that are existing with the current products and that mm-hmm. will give us better ideas that's quite insightful So let's talk about the IT software products like why do these mm-hmm. software products fail and uh, how can we turn them around Yeah it's um so adoption drives value um if people don't use it then the the software doesn't have value um in the most of my experience is in enterprise software and uh, particularly in healthcare so in that space the people who buy the software are not the people who use the software the people who are buying the software are buying an idea they're buying a, a promise that something better will happen as a result of the software but the people who use the software determine about whether that idea actually happens and if that promise is achieved um but because of the sort of separation between the people who write the checks and the people who actually use the software a lot of the times the software is written more from the standpoint of if someone asks can it i always want the answer to be yes it can do anything you want it to do and the problem then is you have too many features and i actually believe uh most software fails not because it has too few features but because it has too many i i resonate with you the other day i was uh, referring to some article and i came across a whopping fact which was quite surprising to me mm-hmm. like more than 60% of the features in a particular software are not used at all yep. but again uh, you you brought in an interesting perspective like if you consider the sales pitch versus the actual item that is being delivered or shipped right there is a lot of yep. uh, difference out there yeah yeah is a huge gap absolutely yeah these these are quite uh, useful now let's move on and talk about uh, 
creating the product vision like that what are your mm-hmm. tips around creating a compelling product vision so that we can attract more customers yeah um you you're trying to align um your self interest with the self interest of your audience um and i always want to err on the side of what is in the interest of the audience so if if you collect enough people if you can attract enough people to what you're doing eventually you can find a way to monetize it that's how platform software was was designed was that the, the value of it goes up exponentially by the usage uh so you've got to make sure in that in your vision that you're doing something that drives that usage the other thing you're trying to do in your vision is to create a competitive moat um i i monopolies are illegal but they're awfully fun to have um so i'm trying to find some way to develop a product that's unique in the market and that people will um use and pay a premium for because they love it uh and so in my vision i'm trying to figure out how do i build that monopoly how do i build that competitive moat um and some of it is just being aware of the context of your audience and i love what you said at the beginning of the program about uh, our job as leaders is to read what hasn't been written yet um and the other thing is that we it's to admit when we're wrong too so you want to have a point of view and uh, but as you get additional information from the market don't fall in love with that model don't fall in love with that vision you have to be continually changing well i i i love that understanding the interest of the audience and then driving the usage because uh, once you have the usage then we will get to know whether somebody is really willing to pay for our services right so yes. thank you thank you for sharing those amazing insights now tom let's get back to the love topic like how can yeah. we <laughs> mm-hmm. how can we love our customers and how love can be the differentiator yeah. in terms of adding that um so i i have uh, three kids and uh, they're in their 20s now um and i i believe that the relationship between a business and customers is similar to the relationship between parents and children so um the customers come to us because we can do something they either can't do themselves or they don't want to do themselves uh but we need to do that in a um in a responsible way so just like uh when my kids were small there was a lot of things i had to do for them that they couldn't couldn't do for themselves as they grow older they can now do that stuff for themselves well your relationship with your customers may change the same way particularly in consulting so when i start out uh i may be doing something that my customers can't do themselves but eventually i want to place someone there who can do what i'm doing so i can move on to um more of an advisory role just like as my kids grow up i i'm now if they ask i'm an advisor uh so that that love is i'm trying to um have self interest rightly understood i want to do what's best for them and but i'm also doing it in a context of what's helpful for me So um some of that is guiding the guiding the conversation suggesting the next right thing to do uh anticipating where problems are going to be and taking responsibility and communicating honestly so just like um some of the most important things I've done as a parent is apologize to my children i think some of the the greatest things we can do for relationships with our customers is admit when we were wrong and make amends in a way that uh is responsible for the health of the business but is also respectful to the client. Wow. 
that's a stunning analogy i am really uh, fascinated by the kind of relation that you have drawn between the parents and the mm-hmm. kids so is the case mm-hmm. with the business and the customers fantastic stuff so this has been a fabulous conversation so far and tom now let's talk briefly about your company fortune mm-hmm. spot and yep. what are kind of certain services that you offer so our our um motto is find your genius um and it goes back to that idea of being an educator and helping people get to that next level of development or next level of performance um most of our experiences in software companies particularly saas and uh lots in the healthcare business so um helping people create urgency in buyers and avoid rework and waste in their development process and we have a variety of different approaches but primarily it just starts with listening and try to understand the client understand their particular needs it's funny when i started this business i thought i was going to make um services a product where everybody would kind of get the same thing now i'm completely against that i'm like you know you need a custom suit i don't want to give everybody the same thing anymore i want to give them what's exactly appropriate for their circumstance and um our objective is to have intense short term engagements that results in a visible significant difference in performance and in the state of the company and then to leave and be beloved when we're gone so a little bit like uh again you know the kids go off to college and they don't need to hang out with us anymore wow all right i think there is a dire need for the companies to operate with the minimum budget and always uh, constrained mm-hmm. with the resources and all and definitely fortune spot services are going to be helpful and as you rightly said i think there is no one custom solution that fits everybody mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. so looks mm-hmm. like it's a fascinating space to be in. Yeah, it's or, fun. I mean, um, uh, I'm actually so my uh, experience is mostly in product management, and I've actually decided that I'm against the idea of having a role called product manager. I want everybody in an organization to practice the discipline of product management uh, to the point to where we don't need product managers anymore. Wow. Yeah, I think I, I think uh, that's a very good expectation because if everybody starts speaking the same language and have the same expectations, then client won't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's also um, it makes the job more fun um, because you're you're focused on that positive outcome for for customers. Yeah, maybe the involving this cross-functional folks. That's what I I I'm a Lean Six Sigma practitioner and all, and I keep yeah. telling this. hey if you are working uh, working on a problem related to marketing probably mm-hmm. you call somebody from product management or technology you never know some out of the box solution might be proposed might come your way yeah and so i mean that that's um collaboration is the hardest work in the world it's much easier to stay in your office and to do your own thing um but typically the the quality of what you produce won't be as high as if you can get those points of view from other folks absolutely So Tom this has been a fabulous conversation so far and uh, let's add some spice to the episode yeah. to lighten up the conversation and I would be asking you a few interesting rapid fire questions if you are ready Okay go ahead All right thank you uh, let me fire the first bullet out of the rapid fire So Tom given a chance would you time travel to past or future I love this question I've been asking people this question I think it's <laughs> fabulous I would absolutely go to the future no doubt Um I'm uh 
I'm excited about what possibilities there are. I know um, my sons are and my daughters are in their 20s and they're worried about the future. They're concerned that global warming or um, social unrest or, um, I mean, it's just the, the rise of fascism and, and authoritarianism, I ought to say, rather than social unrest. Um, those things are, are major concerns with them, sort of the threats we have to democracy. I am uh, much more optimistic and uh, believe that the future is going to be better than the past. So I'm going to the future. Absolutely. I I would like to see this space tourism happen. So I would also yeah. come along with you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I mean, we can go to Mars together. Absolutely. All right. That'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to my next question. So Tom, given a chance, uh, which celebrity would you like to meet? Oh, my goodness. Um well, he's dead, but I'd love to meet Jesus. Um, so I don't think uh, he, um, it, it would be um, really interesting um, to meet any of the great spiritual figures and uh, ask them if sort of the whole God thing is something that they asked about, or is that just something that their followers added on to them later? Um, but uh, for people who are living today, um, I think I'd like to meet Putin. Um, just because he's such a jerk and to see someone like there could be no better counterexample than to understand Vladimir Putin. And I also, I hope he's an unhappy man. Um, and so I would want to meet him and, and sort of see for myself, like, does he seem like he's un- at, at, uh, just sort of not never at ease. Is he always a little tense or looking over his shoulder or does he have kind of a, um, some, you know, quirk that would make me feel better about what a rotten person he is. <laughs> Interesting. Let me move on to my next question. So, yeah. Tom, mm-hmm. what is one hidden talent that no one knows about you? Oh, my goodness. Um, I can make a really good set of scrambled eggs. Um, so I, I um, put uh, either sour, uh, um, Oh, what is it? The spread we put on bagels. That is uh, cream cheese. I put either cream cheese or half and half in them. So they're if you, they're kind of heavy scrambled eggs, and then you undercook them. And um, uh, I just think they're delicious. So I can make really good scrambled eggs wow. if you like them the way I like them. <laughs> I, I like them too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, on our trip to Mars, I'll make you some eggs. <laughs> I would definitely love to visit you. Yeah. All right. Let me move on to my next question. Uh, Tom, money or fame? Money or fame? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Probably money. Um, I mean, with fame gives you an opportunity to um, have influence and um, money does as well. So I think that there's probably nothing that if you have enough money, that money that fame can buy you that money can't. Um, but the thing about money really is that it's the opportunity to give it away. Uh, I'm, I'm really fascinated by the ancient idea of, and I'm going to mispronounce this word, but munificence, um, which is that I have achieved so much and now I have the opportunity to uh, spread that wealth, to give that away, to do, um, things for the public good. Uh, and to me, that's a lot more interesting than um, people talk about me when I'm not there. Oh, yeah. I 
I think that I'm going to research further on that particular word. Mm-hmm. Did you say it's unique? A, I think it's munificence, and it, Munif- it, it's a yeah, it's a Greek concept oh. of um, you achieve tremendous wealth, and then you give that wealth yeah. away, uh, and so you have this effect where you can transform uh, your society by. Um, you know, people build hosp- build hospitals or they start universities or there's a lot of other things. But to me, I, I don't I don't want to create an institution which exists for itself. I like the idea of it's just giving it away. So, um, I mean, if um, if people who are particularly wealthy gave ten thousand dollars to to the people around them who are poor, they would cure poverty. <laughs> You know, people are poor because they have no money. They're not, they're not poor because they didn't go to school. <laughs> yeah, but we see this common trend. Like once you earn mm-hmm. a lot of money, people get into this philanthropy stuff. My uh, Bill Gates is yeah, the yeah. best example, right? And so is the case with uh, mm-hmm. Ratan Tata and Ajim Premji in uh, India. In case if you have heard of them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah right. I, think it's, I mean, Bill yeah. Gates is gonna his. His impact as a philanthropist is going to be vastly greater historically than his impact was as an entrepreneur yeah. and an inventor. Um, and so more power to him. We never got a chance to see what uh, uh, Steve Jobs would have done or if he would have done anything. Um, and so um, as a kid, I always rooted for Steve Jobs over Bill Gates. And as an adult, although there's you know the recent allegations that Bill Gates may not be that nice a guy, um, he, uh, the fact that he's given away that money, um, whether he's a nice guy or not, is still a positive thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. So let me fire the last bullet out of the rapid fire. So yeah. if if not IT, like you you started with mm-hmm. uh, healthcare and all. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So where would it have been in case if it was not IT? Not IT. I would have liked to have been a movie director. Um, and uh, I never went to um, Hollywood. Uh, so when I I was going to told you I was wanted to be a novelist and. I also wrote screenplays and I've been fascinated by movies my whole life. But when I was young, um, my wife, uh, I didn't ask her to go to Hollywood. I didn't say, I have this dream. Let's go pursue this dream together. I used her as an excuse not to do it. And um, that was not anything about Anna. That was just me being a coward. So if not uh, IT, I would have loved to have gotten into Hollywood. Very interesting. All right, so this has been a great rapid fire. With that, let me flip back to the mainstream and ask you one final question for this conversation. Sure. Yeah. So, Tom, what will be your one piece of advice to those aspiring to make big in their careers? Oh, wow. Um, I would say just do something. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of times when you're young where you're you're if you've gotten it, have a supportive family, and if you've gotten an education, you may have choices, and those choices can be paralyzing. Uh, so nothing that you do is forever. Um, what's important is that you get started doing something, even if you hate it, because you'll learn a lot from a job, even if you hate it. Uh, it's very acceptable now to have a strange-looking resume where you did a little of this and a little of that, and then you traveled and you did something else. I would say just just get active and get out and and meet people because that's how you're going to learn. And don't be judgmental about whether it's what you think is the right thing or what fits your resume or fits your career ladder. That's all junk. And all those people's careers only make sense in retrospect. When they're actually happening and going forward, it feels totally random. 
Uh, and a lot of cases it is. You just happen to have a conversation with someone and you hit it off, but you can't plan that stuff. And so um, my advice to people just starting out is get out and get active. And it really doesn't matter very much what it is. These are extremely helpful tips. So, Tom, this conversation has been fantastic. And thank you so much for joining us today. I had a great time. Thank you so much for asking me. And um, I can't wait to go to Mars. So <laughs> I'll bring the eggs. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have the scrambled eggs on Mars. <laughs> That's right. I love it. It's perfect. Yeah, great. All right. So, folks, before we move into trivia section, here is a request to you. If you have loved this episode and found it useful, please subscribe to us from where you have tuned in. Also, share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from this show. The more you share, the wider we reach. Thank you so much in advance. All right. So let's hop on to the trivia segment of today's episode. Folks, today's trivia is about customer experience. But this time, I'm not going to ask you a question, but share a few facts. You know, 68% of the customers are, in a, in, a, in, a con, in a survey that was conducted recently, about 68% of the consumers said they are willing to pay more for products and services from a brand known to offer good customer service experiences. And for about 86% of them, good customer service turns one-time clients into long-term brand champions. The reason is, if you satisfy your customer and then win their loyalty, they are going to bring you, they are going to come back to you and also bring you more and more customers. Interesting, isn't it? Thank you so much for tuning in. There is more in store, folks. Stay tuned. Take care. Be safe. Until next time. Bye-bye. We are signing off for today. See you all in the next episode with another wonderful guest. 